G'day Aussie Gridiron fans, welcome back to G'day Gridiron. We're into week two of our 2023 off-season slate of shows. Uh, and as per last week, back with the boys, Manjot and Brad. How are we doing, Manjot and Brad? Uh, I'm yeah, doing excellent. Well. Yeah, just uh, I'm just basking in the glory of my running back picks last week, but uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Aren't we all? There were some uh, a few spicy words in the group chat through the week when people didn't really agree. Um, Maddie told me he didn't agree with my Brees Hall pick. I, um, I didn't quiz him on it too much because we were talking about some other stuff at the time. He just chucked it in there and amongst a bunch of other things. Um, but yeah, so that was I got to ask him about that. I don't know why. I don't know why he wouldn't agree with a Brees Hall pick. He was pretty good, I thought. But, um, Brees Hall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would have picked him if he fell for me in that round. I said that. I said that too. So yeah, no, no complaints here. Yeah, some pretty good reactions. I think there's been some uh, similar reactions to Manshot and I had to your first pick as well, Brad. So that was um, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, my mine's boomer bust. You know, I think uh, boomer bust. That's right. Manshot's is Manshot's is equally boomer bust because they could all bust because they could all break. Uh, yeah, they're all so Manjot is like. <laughs> Man, Manjot's the fifty-five-year-old uh, man who's played fantasy forever. You know, <laughs> now, I I should have had Manjot's draft. Like, you know. Yeah, I got the ancient team. I got the ancient yeah. team. The BC. You could call them the BC team. The BC. The BC. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the BC. BC. Yeah. Oh, well, there's yeah, been a there's a couple of big things coming up this week. Uh, Brad, I don't know about you, but um, I heard it. Uh, it was somebody's birthday this week. Somebody yeah. on this podcast is finally able and legal to drink and vote within the American states, even though his religion yes. says that he can't drink. Uh, Major, 21 years old, 21 years young, actually, considering we're both Brad and yeah. all more, more than double your age. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday, big guy. Happy birthday, man, Jot. Oh, massive thanks, boys. I I'm very, very happy, you know, 21 years old. I honestly feel pretty young, to be honest, still. You are pretty like, young. I, I feel you, like, are. you are yeah, young. I am. I, am. You, you I am. feel pretty. I mean, if you didn't feel young, there's probably some problems, dude. No, I think, I think though, like, in all seriousness, like, I, I definitely was way too serious when I was, like, more... 18 or 19 years old. Said, I think I've is this you mellowed. not being serious? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've kind of mellowed out a little bit in the last oh, couple wow. of years ever since, you know, Patient Press started. I've been like... They call me Mellow Yellow. <laughs> yeah, I've been chilling out a little bit, you know. I'm um, just been... Yeah, but, you know, big 21 celebration. Uh, I did get... I did get a Niners jersey. I will tell everyone that. A Niners jersey. Nine. Oh, wow. It, it, it's it's Kittle. It's Kittle. You get he's I, the one he's the you, one good player. Yeah, right. I fair enough. Have. That is that is fair enough. Hey, did you uh I also heard that um by I guess by osmosis in a way, you've become a a Leeds United fan this week as well. Uh with the 49ers acquiring the rest the majority stake or the basically all of Leeds United the uh, EPL club. So you're going to have to go for Leeds now, Manjot. That's going to blow well, you mind, isn't awkward. it? It's awkward. 
Yeah, it's very <laughs> awkward thinking about that now because I've been thinking about it for a few years. I've known that the Niners have owned Leeds, but now they've actually bought well, that, them out. They only Maybe owned up. They out. only owned up to twenty four percent of Leeds until yeah. this week, where they bought the rest of Leeds. <laughs> so you're going to have to be a Leeds United fan now, Major. Oh, uh, I might have to give up the Manchester United fandom at this point. <laughs> it's oh. probably it's probably a good That's... idea anyway. I mean, Manchester United can get sold too. It, it, it's all getting up there in the EPL sort of ownership stakes right now. I mean, yeah. even in the NFL with some of their ownerships, we're still waiting for that commander sale to come up to scratch. And even this leak, they were saying like Saudi Arabia could bid on an NFL team oh, mate, whenever it after comes this, up. After <laughs> this week with the whole golf thing, um, yeah. I mean, we the, the Saudis will basically buy a team somewhere. Um <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they become part of the part of the Jags at some point, and that's where the European League starts. But yeah, so that's all fun. Anyway, no more, no more Man United, mate. Yeah, I'm off them now. It's all Leeds now. <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen. It's all bullshit. There's no way you're off them. Anyway, all right, let's get into some news, hey? So we can get to, we can get to the second round of our best team draft. Uh, which of course this week is wide receivers, so that's that's going to uh, be there at the end of the show. Of course, actually, before we get to there, I should also say that um, Manjot's going to give us some uh, some rule changes through history, some of the biggest rule changes through history uh, in a little bit as well. So let's get through some news, uh, bits and pieces of news from this week, uh, boys. JJ Watt is headed back to Houston, the Texans. Yeah. Uh, going to enshrine the number 99 in their ring of honour. So JJ Watt's heading back to Houston, to the Texans. Texans announced on Monday that Watt will officially be inducted into the ring of honour during the team's game against none other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, That's going to be a big, big game and very fitting. (laughs) So the McDare family said in a statement, we're so excited to have JJ Watt join the ring of honour as our third member you know, everyone, everybody knows how much JJ means to our family, the Texans organization, and the entire city of Houston. He is one of the most dominant players in NFL history, and he created a unique and irreplaceable bond with our fans. JJ has always kept a special place in Houston's heart, and we're thrilled to welcome him back. On behalf of the entire organization, we can't wait to give JJ and his family the celebration he deserves on October 1st. Very, very well deserved for a tremendous player. Yeah, and it's good though that they're doing it where his it's against his brother's teams, yes. Derek and TJ, mm. both playing for the Steelers. So the whole family can be there, watch him get it. It's awesome. It's it's an awesome moment. I hope the Steelers let let the boys out in the halftime talk, watch their older brother get inducted. I think that might be something Mike Tomlin lets them do, knowing the sort of coach and person he is. So honestly, I I, I definitely, if I was Mike Tomlin, I I'd let I let the boys go out. I I know TJ Watt and Derek Watt gonna do their role. They don't need any halftime adjustments. So just let them watch JJ's ring induction. <laughs> It, you know, Houston's a, a pretty young team, relatively speaking. Um, it, yeah, so guess, guess, without looking this up, guess how many people are well, in the just Houston ring of honor? It's three. It, here we third. That was that was in the article. So I already know okay. that answer. Uh, so so <laughs> yes, two. two. Who, are, who are the other two? Who are the other two? <laughs> so, could, could I guess the other? T- 
Would it be Arian Foster and Andre Johnson? Surely it'd be those two. Those two are you legends. Got, you got one out of the two right. It, it would be Andre Johnson uh, is Ooh. one of them. And, and Bob and McNair? Then, yeah, uh, yes, exactly. Good. Good job, yeah. Bob McNair. Bob McNair, yeah. of course. So Bob, Bob McNair, McNair, the former. Yeah. Uh, the, he, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. And, I yeah. mean, well, JJ, yeah. well, basically in there. <laughs> so. Uh, as that third person, that's a huge. That is a huge honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I should so. put Aaron Foster in there too. To be honest, just just saying, just saying. But that that uh, was my day. I don't know. I don't. I. I mean, if if Jimmy Johnson's not in the Ring of Honor for the Cowboys, Aaron Foster is not going to be in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cowboys, Texans, two different franchises, Brad. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know yeah. how Jerry and Jimmy Johnson, you know, the two JJs go yeah. at each other. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Anyway. Uh, uh, that's a whole that's a whole nother That is that is definitely a whole nother discussion. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, moving on to some running back news, considering we did our running back draft uh last Ooh. week. So big news earlier in the week is Dalvin Cook was officially re- released from the Vikings. The this was sort of touted for a, a while with the Vikings that Cook was going to be released or traded. Uh, he ended up being released after they failed to find a trade partner. The team will sort of, they'll, they'll uh, save a fair chunk of money uh, on next year's uh, wages, next year's playing fees. Uh, and the cap hit, I think it was somewhere around $2 million. Uh, but massive news around the NFL. Um especially with so many other really great players uh, already out there on free agency. Uh, another massive uh, running back name, of course, in Ezekiel Elliott, still out there. Uh, massive for us as Manjot picked Dalvin Cook in as part of his best team draft. So where are we thinking, boys? Where is some – Brad, what about some likely places for Dalvin Cook? I know you mentioned uh, Cowboys last week. Do you still think that might be a spot? Well, I, I, I mean, it's always a possibility. The Cowboys fan in me hopes so. I, although I think you know, Delvin's definitely lost a, lost a step, but he would be a huge upgrade over what Zeke was. Um, so I, I would love to see it. I just don't see the Cowboys. I don't see him committing money. They they know what it's like to commit a lot of money to an aging back, and it doesn't work. Um, so unless they can get Zeke at the number that they want, I don't, I don't see really, I, as much as I want it, I don't see it happening, uh, to the Cowboys. I think the, the likely fit is from his hometown, which, uh, in Miami. So I think his, his play style fits Miami. They've got the, the, the cap structure. They can make it work a little bit. So, um, he would be a little bit part of a committee. I, I think it would, Miami makes them the most logical fit. Manjot, any thoughts? Yeah. So I did see this coming, even when. I picked Dalvin in our best team draft. I still saw it come. I was like, yeah, this is definitely 100% in play. And I think it was definitely going to happen at that point as well. So I was, I'm definitely banking on him going to a team like Miami or Denver or KC or someone big. I think, I think he and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, both of them just mentioning another free agent big name out here, both of them should be looking at, getting some rings, you know, get some, get a little, you know, team success 
um, maybe with each other even if they're friends or something. I don't know about their personal relationship. But, you know, the thing is, I really like to see Dalvin in Miami because Miami has that run scheme that can really open up a guy like Dalvin who's still averaging like four and a half yards per carry even last year when he was declining. So he's like a five yards per carry sort of guy. If he gets less touches, he could do more of those sort of touches. So a team like Miami definitely makes a lot of sense. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, Miami does make a lot of sense. The other one that does make a lot of sense is actually is Denver. Um, There's a bit more, uh, probably a bit more money there. And, um, but it's whether or not, I guess Dalvin's got the choice now, essentially, uh, on whereabouts he wants to go. So it's um, it almost might have set him up uh, for a bit more success to choose where he wants to go. But looking through some um, some running back depth charts amongst the league, there's there's probably there's four or five places at least where he would be incredibly useful. Another one I'd probably throw out there would be uh, the Browns. Um, I think he'd he'd be really good behind Chubb uh, as well. Um, The Steelers only really have Najee Harris there, and you could effectively say that Cook would be an upgrade over Harris. All right, moving on. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, yesterday has basically come out and said that he is happy to sit out the season if he has to. Um, and it's a conversation that he'll have to have with the uh, with the Giants. Um, and there's a little bit of time. He essentially talked about um, about respect for for what he's owed uh, or what he thinks he should be paid. Uh, it was a in, really really interesting tweet that he put out uh, on Adam Schefter's or to Adam Schefter. He sent it in a text to Adam Schefter. Who, um, who tweeted it, and basically he said, as I previously stated, I'm not looking to set any contract records. I'm not demanding to be the highest paid player at my position. I understand the market. My goal is to just be compensated respectfully based on my contributions to the team on the field and in the locker room. I've been in talk with the Giants throughout the offseason. If at some point there's a deal that is fair to both sides on the table, I'll be ready to sign. So interesting words from Saquon there. Uh, Brad, you picked him in our running back draft. Uh, your thoughts on the situation? I, I, I think he, I mean, what other option does he have except yeah. to say he's going to hold out? Um, he, you know, he doesn't have much leverage uh, beyond that because the team, because they have until what, mid-July yes. to agree to a long yeah, 17th to ju- 17th of July um, is the cutoff. Okay, so, okay, so, so he's got so so until the seventeenth of July. So so he's gonna he's gonna come out and say this. What I what I think is gonna happen is he'll he'll probably hold out um, in, from preseason training camp for a little bit, and uh, you know. But I think it, 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 when push comes to shove, so if they don't reach that deal, he'll hold out a little bit. But when push comes to shove, he's not gonna give up ten million dollars. Um, and, and because either he plays and he gets his 10 million or he doesn't, apparently he turned down a, a low teens. So I don't know what, like $13 million contract, um, last season. So, 
obviously he's looking for more than that. Do I think any running back is worth that kind of money? No. Um, but we'll, we'll see if he gets it. I, my hunch is he'll play on the 10 million, have a decent year, and then somebody will pony up for it next year. Yeah, I'm honestly into the Saquon sort of thing. I think with the Giants, they should have paid him before Daniel Jones. That's honestly what I thought at free mm-hmm. agency time. I thought he was the more impactful player for their offense than Daniel Jones. And I know I know Jones plays QB before anyone butts in and says it, but I think Saquon is that entire offense because Daniel Jones, when you put the game on his back, it's tough. And when Saquon isn't going, it's tough for Daniel Jones. So I think Saquon is the guy on that offense that really is the game changer. I mean, they just got Waller, so we'll see if Waller can be that sort of game changer too. But I think with Saquon, he was definitely a priority signing. I think they'll get it done. I'm pretty cautiously optimistic that Saquon will re-sign with the Giants. I I don't think he's that sort of guy that would hold out. I know I've just heard all the reasoning you said there, Ian. I just don't think Saquon's that guy that would hold out, though. He's a real humble bloke. I think he's a real dude that that can really change the culture. And he's a guy that's really yeah really just humble i guess that's the word because he he just isn't about himself he's about the team and i think he'll do what's best for the team in the end but he'll get what he earns yeah i look i think the giants were a bit stuck with the daniel jones thing because they needed to sign uh a quarterback you needed to have your quarterback you already had your quarterback you'd been building around daniel jones uh and it had gone reasonably well last season you get to uh a finals um spot so a playoff berth so i think they had to do that in a way uh which did leave them in this sort of uh weird situation with saquon where they franchise tag him to give themselves more time to um come up with a a deal for both parties uh yeah and look he says the Mm. the he says he doesn't want to be the highest paid position which is great uh he's in the unfortunate spot at the moment where uh, franchise tag running backs, the franchise uh, salary, I think, is around $10 million. So that 13 he was reportedly offered last mm. season um, obviously is above that. Maybe he's maybe the thing he's actually wanting is uh, more security, like more years rather than more money because um, it sounds like yeah. that's more more what, what he wants where he's saying, I don't want lots of money. Uh, I just want to be respected, which respect to me says... I want to be around. I want that. I want to feel valued, um, and I want my I want my contribution to be heard, which is mm. I think is a is a really genuine thing, uh, and I don't think it's something that you can you can really uh, put as a downer from some for somebody really. Mm. Yeah, mm. no, I've had that discussion with a few Giants fans today as well. After that news came out, I totally agree with you, Ian. It's it's sounding like something about duration yeah. more than money. Yeah, it's. it's- I was just going to say real quick, it's just interesting how much the running back market has tanked in the last 10, 15 years financially. I was just reading an article that was talking about um, how Adrian Peterson uh, in 2011 was the highest paid running back making $14 million a year. Well, Christian McCaffrey is the only current running back with making over $14 million a year. 
So we're talking 12 years later. Yeah. And their salary and I think you does can, not. You could make a, an argument that the only reason McCaffrey gets or warrants that sort of amount is because he's not just a running back. Um, so so he's really that dual yeah, threat. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is very interesting uh, how it has really yeah. come down and it's really come to a point. Uh, and it is, it's hard because these guys more than any other player, I feel, put their bodies on the line in in hard situations uh, every single game, mm. uh, probably every single training session yeah. as well. Yeah. The, running backs and linebackers. I mean, that's, you know, they, the word the running is in the, is in the description. So you have to be, you, you know, you have to be doing it all yeah. the time. And yeah. You're hitting yeah. lines hard. You're getting tackled hard. You're hitting in weird Absolutely. ways. You're getting hit in weird ways. Uh, massive knee problems because of the whole, mm. um, the whole, sort of uh, ground or playing surface argument and things as well. So it's very hard, very hard. And, and also like running backs yeah. have evolved too. The way running backs are used has evolved. The guys don't just run straight anymore. It's not all just running hard yeah. and straight. It's a, it's a lot of move. It's a lot of movement. It's a lot of side to side movement. It's a lot of off, off tilt sort of things like off camber, off tilt, however you, however you want to put it. So Mm-hmm. So hard. It's it's the whole position has changed, yet the money has really gone the opposite way to what the value of the position is. So all right, let's um let's yeah. move on. Biggest rule changes in NFL history. Manjot's compiled a couple of them for us. I admittedly do not know a lot about the history of where some of these rule changes came from. And I know Manjot has not long um written some stuff from uni that he based around this topic or a little bit of history, so which is really interesting. So Manjot is going to enlighten us, Brad. We're um, we're in school. We're in school is in session, Brad. <laughs> I, I love it. Brad. I think Brad. You know, you and Ian can definitely school me a little bit on some of these rule changes as well. So you know, oh, I trust don't, me, man. Don't I just feel too bad about. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a depth that is unfamiliar. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Go, okay, Manjot. What do we got? Uh, run us through the first one. Yeah, so real interesting one. I know you said biggest rule changes in NFL history when you pitched this topic, but I wanted to take it back a little bit, about 15 years before the NFL was actually created. And I think this is definitely by far the biggest rule change in the entire sport of American football. And that was when in 1906, the Ford Pass was legalized. So... Picture this, back in the day, you're talking about 1905 and before, how football was, was literally like rugby. It was like, you got pretty much just, they did the snaps and everything, but you just ran straight forward and it was just rugby scrums and rugby scrums. And the problem with that though, was that it was so dangerous. There's about like 20 Mm. people who died in the 1905 college football season so yeah, yeah, there was there's actual deaths like back in the day because they didn't have helmets, they didn't have any pads, they didn't have any protective gear. And these were like young men, like 2021, 20, like they're full so they were taking so, so they were taking a snap backwards as as they do now, uh, and then running at a yeah. line basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah, sixty minutes of that. That's how football was. I knew I knew the NFL was based around rugby uh, as a as a uh, as a construct, like as a as a building block. Uh, but I had no idea they were basically just running at it like that. Like I mean, in rugby, in league as well. Here, you know, we 
we play the ball backwards between our legs. You do in rugby. You you know you got the you've got a ball, a ruck of ball, so that the ball comes backwards to you, and you are running out from that. But you pass side to side. Um, yeah. So was there any of that? Was there passing side to side before that? They what they? Yeah, I think there was. I mean, they call them lateral passes now, but they're yeah, fucking nowhere near side a pass. to side. Yeah, but there's was, it wasn't like you know those sort of lateral plays you see at the last second of the game where everyone's just throwing a lateral to each other in desperation. I think it's more it's literally just they were running at it. Like I've seen clips of old football from like 1900, and they literally just run straight at the line. That was it. It was just trying to find gaps and everything. So, yeah, that was really where football was at in 1905. And as, as I said, nearly 20 people died in that 1905 college football season. And this was actually real bad for the sport. The sport was actually going to get banned. I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> well, that's the biggest <laughs> understatement of the world. <laughs> we had 20 people die. No, that was, was kind of bad this for is the real sport. Di- I was meaning, like, yeah, of course it's bad. People are dying. Of course, Brad. Of course it is. I mean, this is like... <laughs> But people were dying so much. Yeah, it wasn't like a one-off event. It was literally football was such a bad sport for young men to play that even the U.S. government was going to ban it. So the Mm. president at the time, Theodore Roosevelt, he organized this conference between all these different big names in football, such as Walter Camp, who people call the father of American football. So he got all of these guys in. And they all just had this conference about how to make football more safe. I think the story goes that President Roosevelt himself actually proposed the Ford Pass. And people like Walter Camp were saying that the Ford Pass would ruin football. It would just be the absolute worst thing to happen to the game. It would change the game fundamentally. It was a barbaric rule change of preposterous nature or whatever old ass. Yeah, whatever old language they use, that's probably what they would have said. So, you know, oh, right, just, sorry, that's just me making up quotes there. But they were real resistant. They were actually really resistant. So, yeah, President Roosevelt proposed the change. He received a lot of pushback, but it was the he made it clear that if they did not allow the Ford Pass, football would be banned forever. And then, so they were essentially forced to add the Ford Pass into the game. But even then, there's still some restrictions until the 1930s where you actually had to be like five yards behind the line of scrimmage to throw a forward pass. There was actually that rule in the NFL until 1933. So this is where this is where a bit of my research and my assignment came in was like I saw where the 1932 championship game, they actually had like a massive controversy about the forward pass where this guy, it was like, Oh, did he throw it from five <laughs> yards behind the line of scrimmage or four yards from behind the line of scrimmage? They literally had this whole controversy. And then the NFL was just like, okay, we'll make it. You can throw anywhere from behind the line. And from there, it's just really grown where passing, it's just the same as today. Only one forward pass allowed, unless it's like the XFL, it's a wacky two forward passes are allowed, but one has to be behind the line of scrimmage. That, that's the only wacky change we've really seen to the forward pass. The only other real change we've seen is like the throwing style. They used to throw it two-handed even in the 40s, but now they throw it one-handed, as you see with the quarterbacks of today. So that's my first well, before, rule well, change. What are your guys' thoughts on that? It definitely changed the uh, the landscape of the NFL. And I can see now 20, 20 people dying in one season 
As Brad said, it's a complete understatement when you say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just reading a little bit here as as you were going. Uh, the St. Louis University team uh, were the first ones to use the, the or throw the first legal forward pass and to use it in the season. They were undefeated at 11 and 0, featured the most potent offense in the country, outscoring their opponents 407 to 11. In that sense, Jesus Christ! Wow, <laughs> that is domination. That's what, domination. You, you wouldn't even show up to play him, <laughs> would you? Like shit. Anyway, that's like the Centurions in our local league in the ACT. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah. There's no point in showing up to play the Centurions anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean the Wolves give them a good game. The Wolves give them a good game. Same with the Gladiators sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes Centurions need to be split up, man. That's, <laughs> Uh, sorry, I shouldn't get onto that. Um, rule two. Do you want to move on, mate? Rule yeah. two. What have you else rule you got number for two? So this one also helping the passing game. All of these pretty much have helped the passing game, but this one in particular. So back in the seventies, there was way less passing as we as we know now. Passing has increased over time, but the real reason why in the seventies. Passing was so restrictive was because defenders were literally allowed to use the bump and run coverage where they'd literally just hold on to you and just like grab you and just, you know, take you down anywhere from beyond the line of scrimmage. Like they literally would just pull on you and do every little thing that they could do. So this was called the bump and run coverage. We kind of still see it today. But it's not really used as much because they brought in a rule in 1978 where if anyone makes, if the defender makes contact five yards beyond the line of scrimmage from the receiver, uh, to the receiver that is, they make contact to the receiver five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, that is an illegal contact penalty. That is five yards and automatic first down. So that got outlawed real quick. So I think that was a real game changer because now it allows receivers to really run forward and just, you know, it allows fair play. Receivers weren't allowed to do any of the stuff that I was saying defenders could were allowed to do. So... That, in essence, made the game a bit more fair and that allowed passing to be a bit more open. Mm-hmm. Now, it, was it uh, my Because my understanding was that that was... They moved it from bump and run. You could make contact with the receiver up to 10 yards, but then they jumped it forward to 5 yards. What, do you, was, it, was that the case, or was it... Were they able to to do the bump and run anywhere on the field? Yeah, I think it was any. I think from where I thought it was, I thought it was anywhere on the field, but okay. it might have been ten yards. So I might have to do a quick research here, but I'm pretty sure it was it was an illegal contact anywhere on the field was allowed back then, but now it's within five yards. So it's yeah, it, it's really changed from where it was back in the day yeah w- whether or not it was five yards or, or you know 10 yards or all over it, it's you're right it's changed the game and, and it, we're seeing it more and more just the evolution of it of the game turning into a, a passing game um you know and and, yeah. and kind of i know it's your your thing here what you're doing but i think kind of dovetailing off of that too is just you know hitting the defenseless receiver um, how that's become illegal now, because um, it used to be that you watch 
watch some of the old highlights and it's all just illegal hits uh nowadays so um it's it's crazy yeah well a lot of the um a lot of linebackers and stuff used to just use their helmets as weapons essentially yeah yeah, it was just all it was all head contact like like down with the head um yeah into chests and things Mm -hmm. like that to just to to use it as an extra like an extra limb essentially Mm. so that's all obviously gone now because there's a lot of onus on protecting the head and the neck uh and the shoulder region so 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 yeah so yeah right so they so now basically what you can do is you can uh impede a wide receiver or any receiver up to the five yard zone uh, anything except holding them, uh, and after that you have to let them run free. So essentially, all you're doing is trying to slow down or impede the route without holding, and then yeah, they get to run around. So then the the onus is on the uh, the quarterback and the offense to adjust to the fact that the receiver would have been held up in their in their route run. Yeah, that's essentially it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. As- so where this rule came in, so just looking off my research from my assignment, so where this rule made its big impact was in 1977 uh, per team, there was 149.9 passing yards a game, and that number increased to 204.5 passing yards a game in 1985. So a difference in only eight years, it only increased like 60 yards per team per game. So it's real. It's real interesting there, and then points per game really increased from seventeen point two in nineteen seventy seven to twenty one point five in nineteen eighty five. So there was that massive increase of four point three points per game as well. Mm. So it really did make the NFL more offensive, and it really just let teams throw it downfield and score points. And it's more like what we see today. That's where I, I think that rule change out of most of them in NFL history would be one of the big ones for sure. Awesome. Yeah, well, you can definitely see that uh, that rule change. That is the birthplace of the uh, of the pass-heavy league and the more of the passing stuff. So um, Beautiful. What do you got next? Got one, got one more for us, mate, before we move on to the draft? Yeah, so... I've got I've got roughing the passer listed down, and that's a big that's a big rule change, and that's something that's constantly changing yeah. now. So isn't that's it? why I put roughing yeah. the passer changes. So I'm pretty sure, Brad, you remember this clip back in the '80s? I think it was 1986 when the Packers guy just slammed Jim McMahon onto the turf. Oh yeah, you remember Absolutely. that? You remember that yep. clip, Brad? I do. Yeah. Oh man, I watched I watched that a few years ago. I'm like, God dang, that's roughing the passer for sure. So that was that was listed as unnecessary roughness, I think, back then. The guy definitely got ejected, that's for sure. His name was Charles Martin from what I remember. Yeah, so Charles Martin got ejected for that. I think sometime around then they added into the roughing the passer rule. They they really tightened that and really made an emphasis for the NFL. And I think I think around that sort of incidence, it, it was really that sort of thing. And and then what I'm looking at with the changes was back around 2009, the year after Tom Brady blew out his ACL in the first game of the season in 2008 because Bernard Pollard hit him below the knee. The NFL banned that. 
uh, because it was such a dangerous play. And even before, like, 2005, for example, Carson Palmer in the playoffs against Pittsburgh in 2005-06, where he, he hurt his knee the same exact way. It, it was just such a bad injury where your helmet could go into into the QB's knee and then that knee just gets absolutely destroyed. It was it was such a bad thing. So I think that definitely for player safety was a good rule. But then where, where it gets controversial was when the NFL just decided, okay, we're going to play with the laws of physics here. Newton's third motion, second motion, first motion, all the inertia and all of this. See, man, you're getting nerdy. Right there, we're wow. getting into the physics wow. stuff. Oh, no. so, yeah, yeah, we're getting into physics right now. Had to, had to find somewhere to put it in. <laughs> yeah, so where, where, where it comes in, where the physics comes in, is essentially when a quarterback is getting taken down by a defender, the defender's got to put their body weight on the quarterback, right? And then in sometime in the mid-2010s, I'm pretty sure it's 2017 or 2018, where they added this rule called the body weight rule, where you couldn't literally put your body weight on top of a QB because that would be roughing the passer. And that made absolutely no sense. I remember in 2018, there was like a controversial week based off this rule. I remember like Clay Matthews two weeks in a row, he would cost the Green Bay Packers a game because of this rule. It was the stupidest thing they ever added. They still haven't changed it because I don't know, the NFL versus the laws of physics. Apparently the NFL is a rich enough company where the laws of physics cannot physically be applicable for some reason where they actually have to bend the whole laws of physics and honestly that that was one of the more absurd ones i can think of in terms of rule changes so i, I wonder you guys still think they should change that one because i certainly do i i don't think there's any any going back uh i think they'll they're just going to introduce more and more rules that are gonna to protect players uh you know i think eventually you're gonna see the elimination of kickoffs and kick returns here. And I think that's going to happen actually sooner rather than later. Um, you know, interestingly enough, man, you started this with a, a, an illustration of Jim McMahon, former Bears quarterback, being uh, thrown to the ground like a rag doll. Only two quarterbacks have ever been drafted in the first round that weigh under uh, 200 pounds. I know I'm talking about the imperial system here. Um, but can you name both those quarterbacks? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Only two quarterbacks that scale. Only in. two quarterbacks Only two. have ever been drafted in the first round that have weighed 200 pounds. Ooh. No. Would Bryce Young be up there? Yeah. Bryce Young and Jimmy McMahon. Those are the only yeah, so, two that have ever been drafted that weighed under 200 pounds. You got it. Yeah, I remember somewhere. Was Bryce yeah. like 192 pounds? I, I yeah. don't know. So, really? Okay. I don't know how I remember that, but <laughs> seriously. Yep. So yeah, I, 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 hope I, this, I, I hope the same thing doesn't happen to uh, to Bryce Young. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, that's a bit of a trip down NFL football history. Well, yeah. I got, I got, I got a couple. Just while we're on that one, um, had to, since two thousand, so so two thousand and nine, 
was when the NFL started tracking which quarterbacks have benefited the most from roughing the passing mm. penalties. Can you guess who, since 2009, might have the most have the most flags thrown to benefit <laughs> Tom him? Brady. Surely. Tom Brady. No. no. Oh, Aaron Rodgers? Matt, no. Oh, he's there. He's close. He's uh, one, two, three, fourth oh, on the okay. list. I'll give you one Russell more on Wilson. the list. Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan. Because you said Matt. You said Matt. It was coming out of your mouth, so I, yeah. I cheated a little bit. It was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Matt Ryan, 56 flags thrown to benefit him since 2009. That's up until uh, 2021, so the 2021 season, so before wow. last season. Uh, he got 10 in 2021. Wow. Uh Fitzpatrick was at 52, Stafford at 40, Rogers at 38, and Tannehill at 38. So that's after the 2021 season, obviously. There was a few more there for Rogers during okay. that season. Uh, I guess. The most, the other one, the other question mm. would be who holds the record for most penalties? Which defender holds the record for most penal- roughing the passer penalties since 2009 in one season? So it's one season because I can't find total Ooh. stats, but just. The most in one season since 2000. Sue. I reckon t- his 2020. Oh, I was going to say his 2010 season. Got to be up there. Clay Matthews 2018. Was it that one? I'd say Nandamakan Sue. No. That was mine. Yeah. No, it was in 2015. Ooh. Former Dolphins defender, Olivier oh. Verne. Oh. There's a throwback. Holds the record. It's it's five. It's only five actually in a season, which is very very small. Okay. I would okay. say that's seventy five yeah. penalty yards though in terms of and and automatic first down. It is so. it is a lot of yards, but I would just I, I thought when I started scrolling through those stats, I thought it would actually be a high yeah. number to be honest. Yeah, um, and I was really hope I was really hoping for a total number. There would be some like two thousand and nine. You'd get like a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. That's that's some good stats, boys. Right. Yeah, those are some good stats. They are. All right, Benjot. Great, great trip down memory lane there. Um, let's take a quick break, and we're going to hear from a bit of a bit of Maddie C, uh, and then we'll come back with our wide receiver draft for our best teams. When all fantasy football analysis starts to sound the same. First play of the game set the tone, and that was a brown noise that made everyone shit themselves. Like, that's what I was going to say in the GOAT segment, but I, I just I just forgot to say it. Make it Aussie. Mate, I'd like that to be struck from the record, and uh, we'll forget uh, that you even said that. <laughs> I, I've mossed him one too many times, and he's like, no, nope, I'm done. Okay, one big one is done. Great analysis. It was a better pass than Mac Jones did all day. Hot takes. Now, firstly, Standing ovation for Derek Carr. Just what a legend. Plenty of nonsense. And someone just pegs a dildo. <laughs> yes. And lots of games. We all love seeing Maddie C lose in starts of the week. We're making <laughs> yes, it Yes, we do. Dominate your fantasy league, Aussie style. Well done, Taylor. I'm not below <laughs> shameless self-promotion. Okay, I think I've blown it. At this point, this was a rookie mistake. Fridays and weekends all season long. Look, if it's a fucking primetime game, then he's a bit fucked, isn't he? Matty, can I re-enter here? And uh, I don't want that to be taken as a sexual innuendo after I just talked about dildos. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. All right, we're back. Back with another round, the second round of our best team draft for 2023. So if you weren't with us last week, do go back, 
listen to our our running back draft. It was uh, particularly spicy. It's a great conversation. But essentially, this is not a fantasy draft. It is based around fantasy. It is ba- is sort of steeped in that uh, in that tradition, in the sense that we are doing a draft for players. Uh, what we're doing is trying to come up with the best team uh, for 2023 season. Um, and we're doing it in a draft style, so it means that we don't come up with one team. We all have teams that we're going to root for. Uh, we'll track through the season, and at the end, we'll come up with a bit of a ranking system, most likely uh, based off the PFF grades for each player and each position, uh, and we'll see who did the best at picking a team. So we're into round two, which is wide receivers. Last week... Brad went uh, last week. Brad went first in our draft, which, as I explained to the boys, meant that we were you'll move to the back. We'll roll on from there. So this week our order is Manjot, then myself, and then Brad. So I'm in the middle. You boys are on the snake each time, which is going to get very interesting. Um, so how about we kick it off right now, Manjot? Who have you got for the number one pick? in the 2023 best team wide receiver draft. Yeah, I do want to make a note. So we talked to Taylor, our boy, from the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show during the week. We talked to him on Zoom, and we were saying, he was like, Manjot definitely chose the order because of strategic purposes. And I definitely did. Because when Ian said last week that it was going to be based on the upgraded, I won my first chance at wide receiver because wide receiver definitely won my favorite positions for sure. And I, I want to take a flyer. It's not really a flyer. It's it's the most obvious number one wide receiver pick here. I'm, I'm sorry to my boy Ian here, but I got to take your boy, Justin Jefferson because he's the most obvious number one pick for this draft. The best wide receiver in the game right now. Definitely the most iciest, drippiest wide receiver. Number one in all categories. So I'll take him. Nice. I think that's a no-brainer. Definite no-brainer. Yeah, obvious choice, mate. Uh, I think any of us, if either of us were first, that Jefferson would have been probably one of the, the two that uh, would have gone off the board. Um, I'm up for the second pick in the wide receiver draft. And I am going with, I've got a couple of picks here. So I'm just gonna choose choose very carefully. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tyreek Hill. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you surprised and the me. Reason, <laughs> the reason I'm gonna go with Tyreek Hill is because I, I like, I mean, I like his bravado, number one. Uh, he was, I think it might've been this week, he did say he, he was aiming to be the first 2,000-yard wide receiver in the NFL, uh, and he was definitely he was definitely up there last season. And he didn't have uh, I wouldn't say he had a complete season, but he got uh, he was definitely way up there. A lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, uh, and I think and I'm hoping what I'm hoping out of this is that Tua is going to stay healthy and on that field because their connection was undeniable. <laughs> When Tua was on the field, Tyreek Hill had the had the yards. He had all the receptions. He had the catches. Uh, he didn't have as many touchdowns because Jalen Waddle was a TD machine, uh, and of course Gasicki as well chiming in there too. 
but he did get all the yards, and I think that's going to change a lot this season. Uh, the other reason, too, is if Tua doesn't stay healthy, I really love their backup QB in Mike White. I love that decision from the Dolphins because I think there's still going to be a lot of throwing the ball uh, and a lot of brave stuff, and I think that's going to include Tyreek, and that is why I've gone with Tyreek at number two. Wow. Brad, excellent. you're up for the number three pick in the draft. All right, so go. now I get a wrap, so I get three and four, correct? Yeah. Yeah, correct. You are on the snake, but what do you got for so three? So for me, this is I. I thought it, so. You, you you've thrown me off my game, Ian, because I thought uh, <laughs> I, I thought he would be there for me for sure. Um, but that's okay because I love this guy. So because I love his quarterback, I, I think there's no denying it. I'm going number two or my number three. I had him number two on my board uh, was Jamar Chase. So. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take uh, Jamar Chase. The dude just, he, he's, he's a touchdown machine. He's a target machine. Um, and I think it just, he is impressive all around. The, and he's got uh, Burrow throwing to him. Um, so I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jamar Chase all the way uh, at that third pick. So now my question is, okay, at the fourth pick on the wrap coming around, who do I take? And so I'm taking a guy who I think is going to have a bounce back year. I think their team's going to suck. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. And I'm taking my guy from Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup. So, yeah. yeah. I I, I thought it was coming. Damn you, damn you. It's great. Yeah, I was considering that too. So I I just think, you know, he he was on target to have a decent year last year. What, he played nine games at 800 yards. So um, I I think they're not going to have anybody else to throw it to. I think you're going to be – he's going to be the white Megatron is what he's going to be. So – you know, um, I think it's just they're gonna they're just gonna throw to him and throw to him and throw to him. And Stafford's shown he's not afraid to do that. I, I agree. I actually had Cup third on my list. I had Jamar Chase second, and Tyreek was definitely my top five two in. So, look, all of these picks are pretty good so far. I don't think anyone's taken a wrong step at all. This is definitely. <laughs> Almost as expected. The order might be a bit different, but all of these guys are definitely top five guys we've taken so far, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. With the fifth pick in this week's wide receiver draft for 2023, I'm padding a little bit because I'm still deciding (laughs) between a couple of guys. Um, There's some options here. There's one option right at the top who I would have picked if they had... uh, a quarterback that was actually going to be on the field. There's another guy I could pick who consistently has uh, more than well, he's in his in his stat his stat line includes more than four thousand yards and twenty nine touchdowns. Um, there's another guy who who our podcast and our, and our sister podcast in uh, Aussie NFL fantasy um, really love. Uh, especially Taylor, he loves. We, we love the the joke on that guy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with the guy. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. Oh. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. Wow. So, so Diggs is Diggs is consistent consistency. Um, yeah, he's and he's had massive upside since leaving um, the Vikings. 
he basically was was unleashed. It was like he was unshackled uh, from from where he was being held back when he was at the Vikings under that previous rate, the Zimmer regime. Um, and since the move he to the Buffalo Bills, he's had 469 targets, which is second in the league, only behind Devontae Adams. So it's massive. I think he'll have another massive year. I think the Bills are on pace and on target to really make a, a, another big leap uh, and hopefully get past that championship game and into a Super Bowl. So I like Diggs here for me. Yeah, good pick. Manjot, 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 Manjot. Number six yeah. in the in the draft. Who yeah, going? this is very interesting because I'm not entirely sure about this guy's quarterback situation. But honestly, I don't think it even matters about his quarterback situation because he's such a damn good receiver. I think he makes plays whenever he can. I think he's, I would say, the number one route runner in the entire league, in my opinion. And honestly, being at number six, it wasn't too bad in terms of strategic planning because I knew I'd get a guy that I would say would be around top five and genuinely could be in top five. And I think this guy... This could safely be in top five despite a little bit of a down year last year on a new team. Mm. I'm obviously talking about Devontae Adams. And oh. I think, yeah, Devontae Adams, uh, if, it, if it's between him and Diggs, depending on who was dropping to me. So I, I, I was obviously going to go Adams if Diggs wasn't dropping. So, yeah, I, I do like the pick a lot. Not You're not, you're not afraid of the fact that... Uh... They don't know what's going on at QB there at the moment, the Raiders. I mean... That was what was holding me off on Devontae. To me, and, and I'm just putting it out there, to me, Devontae and Justin Jefferson are equal number ones in terms of wide receivers in the mm. league, as in top. It's hard to split yeah. them. I didn't... I, I would be scared to be like going Devontae because you don't know what's going on right now with Jimmy G. Manja um, loves Jimmy G. I don't think... That's it, why he's... That's yeah, he loves... <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, now now I'm getting to the loving Jimmy G sort of stakes again, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you're not, you're not afraid that they don't know what's going on at QB right now? Because if Jimmy G's not there, then I, I don't know. I don't know how Devontae is going to achieve massive numbers. I mean, obviously, PFF grades uh, based off the number of receptions you get. Uh, like, it's just a, it's a sliding scale. So it's, you don't have to have massive amounts. It's targets and receptions. Yeah. So uh, that is that is the whole point of this the the, the exercise here anyway. Uh, they are gonna he'll have a good year even if he only has eight hundred yeah. yards, um, as long as his his receptions per target are up there, um, as well as things like uh, average y- yards per route run, um, still... of which he yeah. averaged two point four five over the past three seasons. So he leads the NFL in PFF receiving grade as well at ninety four and a half. Um, and yards per route run at two point six seven. So yeah, you're not you're not afraid of that. That was my I'm question. Actually, you're not I'm actually of that? not really afraid of that because you look at what Adams did last year. He still caught a hundred passes, fifteen hundred plus yards, fourteen touchdowns with Derek Carr, who's about similar with Jimmy G. He's probably got a better deep ball than Jimmy G. But I think that's also where Adams could really evolve a little bit in his role. 
where he could go for more of he his deep routes might be less, but he might get more slant work underneath and get more of the tough yards, yards for catch. I mean, Jimmy G was a guy in San Fran. I mean, yeah. Now I'm giving him credit. Now I'm giving here him it credit. comes. Here it comes. Yeah, I, I'm getting I'm getting exposed. I'm getting exposed, guys. I know I've been hating on Jimmy G a bit at the end of his San Fran run, but one thing he did well, I'll admit, he set up the offense to have the number one wide receiver in yards per catch, the number one tight end in yards per catch, and then eventually they got McCaffrey, who was the number one running back in yards after catch, sorry, not yards per catch, yards after catch. I think that's where Adams' role can really develop, is his yards after the catch will increase, even if he doesn't get as many deep balls. So yeah, I'll give Jimmy credit. All right, Major, you've got the seventh pick in the draft as well. Because you're on the snake. Who are we going for at number seven? Yes, number seven is a real interesting spot. There is a lot of players that I'm considering here because there's a lot of great wide receivers right now. And honestly, yeah, anyone from seven to ten on my board would be fine for this. Anyone seven to ten, if you rank them in the NFL, they'd be fine. Even seven to twelve for me would be fine depending on guys so i'm i'm honestly going to take a flyer and this is a little bit of a flyer but not much he had a wide receiver to join him this season and he's another one of your guys's boys i'm talking about brad's boy this time that's right cd yeah I, I had to. I'm taking That's a flyer on CD because I think the addition of Brandon Cooks actually helps him because he'll mm. be a bit more free. He'll get a little less coverage, I think. I think Brandon Cooks can take the top off a defense. And that's going to yeah. take the safety with him. And then that's going to leave CD with a few more one-on-ones. So I think that's actually going to help the Dak and CD connection a lot. So I'm going to take my chance on CD. Great choice. Yeah, I was going uh, to take him if he fell to me. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, I thought you would. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at him considerations for, for a wide receiver four. So I'm not surprised he went off for uh, before then. Righto. Uh Eighth pick, the yes, eighth pick in the draft uh, is me. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go one that might be a little bit strange. Uh, I really like this guy. I like the things that he has done in previous seasons. Um, since coming into the league, he racked up more than four thousand two hundred yards, four hundred sixty targets in uh, in four seasons, uh, and he's never really had uh, what people would consider a quality quarterback throwing to him. He's going to have a bit more of a rookie throwing to him this season still, but I think that the production that someone like Terry McLaurin offers is going to serve Sam Howell really, really well. Uh, And and he's going to be the guy that's going to get the majority of the the targets on the commanders. Uh, And I love what Terry McLaurin does. Uh, In each season... Uh, in each of the seasons, sorry, passes thrown his way have generated 101.2 passer rating for his QB. How about that? He has not had quality QBs, yet they always get, end up with a 101.2 passer rating when they're targeting Terry McLaurin. So massively, yeah, it was just obviously significantly higher than the baseline of any of those QBs that have been thrown to him in past seasons. So... I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping <laughs> <laughs> to see uh, a bit more out of Terry McLaurin 
and have a really good year. So wow, all right. I've blown, I've blown Brad away this week. It's, it's my turn. Let me pick my yeah. job off the floor here. That uh... you don't like it. You don't well, like that, no, Brad? It's, it's I don't know. Um, uh, I'm being polite. Yeah, no, it's shite. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I had him way down on my list, so I, I wasn't expecting him to get draft. To be honest with you, um, I I get it. Maybe it's just because I have an eternal hatred for Redskins. Um, I don't I, uh, I don't probably. know. Um, but you're right. I think I think given given his situation and given his quarterbacks, the guy's done amazing things. So. Uh, you, you yeah. can't fault him for that. If you put him on a decent on a team with a decent quarterback, I think he he'd be the next AJ Brown. So, um, yeah. Mm. Speaking of AJ Brown, yeah, I knew you're gonna take him. Oh, uh, Brad is Brad with the ninth pick in the draft. With the ninth pick in the draft. I've got to take my boy, even though I hate him because he's an eagle. Um, AJ <laughs> Brown, a seventeen. 17- Swallow that yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> never, never forget what we found out, nickname. Oh, that was funny. Uh, uh, 17 games, 88 receptions, 145 targets, 1,496 yards. Uh, yeah, I just, it's the yardage and the fact that he was, uh, he, he got the ball 30% of the routes that he ran, 29% of the routes. They ran, so I just that Philadelphia figured out how to use them, and they did use them. So, um, he, uh, well, he averaged he averaged two point five nine yards per route run okay. last season, which is actually okay. a big number. Um, sounds like a small mm. number, but what what that is is they take all of the yards, his actual yards that he's uh, he's receiving mm-hmm. yards, and all of the routes that he oh, ran. Wow. So even the ones where he wasn't targeted. So. Um, so two point five nine is is right up there. As I said earlier, uh, Devonte had two point six seven. Okay. Yeah, he was two point six seven, which was the highest. So uh, it's yeah. pretty high. Yeah, it's pretty and high. Can, uh, can you good pick? Can good you believe pick. this is what what blew me away when I was doing a little bit of research on him? He's only twenty six years old. Oh, it's he seems yeah. like he is much older. It seems like he has been around yeah, forever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's this his guy build. Must have been around forever. It is. I think it is a bit of his. Yeah, because he's so big that you expect him yeah. to look like an older guy than twenty six, and, and I do get it. I mean, he's been in the. This will be his fifth season, I believe. He was drafted in twenty nineteen. So, yeah, this will be his fifth season, which means he was drafted when he's only twenty one, which is actually pretty crazy to think about. He's drafted when he's yeah. twenty one or twenty two, which is around the age that rookies really come in but yeah i mean he probably was on the younger side so yeah real interesting tidbit there brad well done all right brad you got pick number 10 hey, so um this guy i think is he might scratch a few heads you might you might be wondering but um i, I love him i absolutely love him he he's he's i feel like his production is ramped up every year um, last year, he finished with 1,100 yards, 146 targets, and 106 receptions, which is an incredible rate. Um, and I am taking my man, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Good one. 
Good one. Very good. Major. Manchot and I uh, both were, were massive fans of Amon Ra St. Brown yeah. last season. We had many conversations on the podcast okay. about him yeah. Um, yeah. In, in that uh, in that Lions run. Yeah, quality, quality yeah. guy. Massive yeah, upside. Exactly. Um, and so I, I, if he can take another step forward, he's going to get into that elite tier. So uh, I'm excited about what he'll do. I actually did do a wide receiver ranking on the side in, in, in that – Aussie NFL fans chat I've been telling you guys about. And yeah, I put Amon Ross and Brown bang on 10. So totally agree okay. with you there, Brad. Bang on 10th. Yep. Great pick, great pick. Uh, all right, two picks to go uh, in our four-round snake draft for the 2023 best team. Um, Brad's team is complete already. His wide receiver room it is, is full. We're up to me. I've got Pick number 11, and I am going to go just like I did uh, last week where I picked a, a bit of a younger guy um, who I think will have a lot more upside. He's also got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on a big move. So I'm going with uh, Garrett no. Wilson nice. from the Jets. Nice. Good. Uh, I think uh, I think Rodgers is going to love having Garrett Wilson uh, at the New York Jets. I think he's going to find that Wilson is basically going to be what he saw with Devontae Adams uh, when Devontae was was drafted to the Packers. Uh, yeah, and as a rookie, uh, like he as a rookie last season, he was the the rookie of the year mm. as well. As a rookie, he trailed only Debo in broken tackles, um, so which was twenty two, gained more than eleven hundred receiving yards, uh, despite having, again, a disastrous quarterback situation. It was just absolutely shot at uh, at the Jets. Um, great route runner. Uh, he's got great body control, skills after catch. Um, he'll break more tackles, and he'll have Aaron Rodgers targeting him. So I expect that uh, his stats are going to go through the roof. Manjot, yeah. the final pick. Oh. Pick number 12 in our draft. Uh, who have you got, man? Oh, it's a massive call because whoever I pick, there's many guys that are going to be left off the list, and there's many just so there are, there are, and there's there is there is a huge amount of there's a huge amount of talent here. This oh, there's one guy that that I don't know whether anyone would pick, but I if yeah, it'd be amazing to see someone see take a fly on in. But there are a lot. Yeah, so there there are a lot of guys. I'll list a few guys in contention and then mm. tell. The play I have. So I've got DK Metcalf up there. I've got Mike Evans up there. Former top 10 wide receiver Mike Evans for those guys who have been with me for since day one of Pastry Press when I put him in the top 10 of my wide receiver rankings over CD Lamb and got hated on by Cowboys fans for that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the first days. Of course, you got guys like DeAndre Hopkins are up there. You know, there's guys like I mean, we just had Amon Ross St. Brown, so DJ Moore, you got Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith. We're getting to real wide receiver twos. But this guy, and I don't going to take a lot of hate for this, but he just said a couple days ago, he was pissed off when looking at his 2022 film. He absolutely hated himself looking at it. He probably has been pissed off this entire offseason after how last season ended too. And... 
looking at him this year, I think there's a real chance for bounce back. He took the lead by storm at the end of 2020-21, and you may barely call him a wide receiver. I have his jersey on right now. Oh, you got Debo no. Samuel. Get Debo Samuel with the 12th pick in the draft. What? What a surprise <laughs> that Manjot went full homer and picked Debo oh, Samuel. What an absolute surprise! Uh, who could? Could you? Would you have ever thought that Manjot would pick Debo Samuel, no, Brad? Jeez. Oh, I'm just glad I'm going to win this the wide receiver position at least in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the fact that Manjot went, skilled himself, just just moved himself into first position <laughs> in the wide receiver draft as soon as I mentioned how the orders were going to go yeah. last week, and yet, yet Brad with the third pick in the wide receiver draft has won the wide receiver draft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Um, Run through the teams again. Yeah, mate, look. <laughs> we need a cap out. Debo's, Debo's, Debo is a unique... Uh, he's definitely a unique receiver. Uh, probably the most unique receiver Who's the best there, player? Really. Who's the uh, best player we didn't pick that, that none of us took? I, you know what? Uh, again, and I'm on some, I've been on some PFF rankings. Uh, we have got... We've picked down to... Debo, we picked down to mm-hmm. ten, yeah. um, and before we did, but uh, some others were ones that, in there that Manjot mentioned. Mike Evans, I think Mike Evans is going to have um, uh, a pretty good year no. with Baker. So, uh, similarly to, to my to my Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. pick, you've got a QB who's not so great uh, and a veteran wide receiver, someone who has really consistently been there, done a lot. I think they'll lead that QB mm-hmm. along which means that they'll get a lot more of the targets, a lot more of the catches, um, a lot more, see a lot more of the ball. Uh, yeah, what? And there was one I was hoping, Manjo, I was hoping you'd take a fly on this guy, um, it, but you didn't. And I think if he was on a team, I think you would have. It's yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. And I'd arguably, like, they had him at number, PFF had him at number 12 when he was with Arizona. And I think if he was on another team, if he'd already chosen another team here, or someone had signed DeAndre to another team um, by now, I think he would have been a lot higher on the list because of the teams that he's likely going to. Um, yeah, and I think we probably would have seen him a lot in our draft, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think, I think that, the, uh, in my opinion, the surprise guy that, that is going to ex- excite us um, is Chris Olave. Um, I think I think with uh, getting Carr at quarterback, um, which is is an upgrade compared to what Taysom Hill. Um, so I think I think those two are going to develop a connection. I think you're probably going to see about a quarter of the way through the season, he's just going to really take off and and become uh, a go to guy. I'll put you on the spot because mm-hmm. I didn't prepare this Sorry. earlier, but. Uh, listed listed team wide receiver twos that you think might have uh, a better season than may or right up there with their with their wide receiver one or maybe even better than their wide receiver one. Ooh, a great quality question. Quality wide receiver twos. That's a great That's a question. One. I'll get. I'll give you one. What a couple while I'm going. Uh, yeah, he, Waddle, he, Waddle would probably be my number one. I could even consider uh, Devonte Smith. Could potentially. Yeah. Um. Do it. T. Yeah. Higgins. 
T Higgins is the other big yeah. one for me. I mean, I I guess T would I, I'll put T like as the best wide receiver too, or in our top three. But I don't think he would beat Chase in terms of stats, though. But he'd still be amazing as a wide receiver. No, but he'd be up there. That was more, more what I meant. A wide yeah. receiver two that would be right up there with their wide receiver yeah. one. Um, yeah. You know, we just mentioned the Saints. I I don't I don't want to jinx it, but please, Michael Thomas, if he's out there, if he's available, I think he could have a good season. <laughs> if, I, if the original Michael Thomas is still in the building, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Michael, yeah. If Michael Thomas is all right, if he's healthy, he's you know got over all his foot issues, leg issues, everything. I think he could have a great season. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, I'll get. I'll give you another dump, a wide receiver too that I think could could do really well. Tyler Lockett. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like what that. do you um, what do you think, Manja? Do you think Ayuk could potentially do do really well, Brandon Ayuk? Yeah. I mean, I know I took Depot, but I think Ayuk might in receiving categories have better stats in some of them than Debo. Like, for example, touchdowns or even, yeah. like, receiving yards, you could have more than Debo considering Debo's hybrid role. So, yeah, Ayuk, I think it depends on QB because I know we're just quickly going to bring the QB situation to it. I think with a guy like Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, especially Trey Lance, who has a very deep arm, and I think even Purdy last year had a decent connection with Ayuk, but... I'm not entirely sure about Purdy's arm strength. We'll have to see it in the first few games, how he recovers from the UCL tear. But yeah, definitely, Ayuk would be up there. I think even Brandon Cooks, who I mentioned a bit earlier in my yep. CD in my CD analysis, I think he's an amazing wide receiver yeah. too. Very underrated the Texans the last few years while they had absolute trash at quarterback. So I think him with Dak Prescott, Brad, you'll yeah. be very, you'll be very impressed. And even Jordan Addison for your boys, uh, Ian, I think he'll be another nice rookie ad there for the Viking. Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's just recap these teams. Uh, <clears throat> start with Manjot because he has the number one pick. So Manjot has Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, and Debo Samuel. Uh, I have Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Terry McLaurin, and Garrett Wilson. And Brad has Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown and Amon Ra St. Brown. Good picks, boys. Good picks. Our teams are looking pretty good. Pretty good. I, I reckon think. the the wide receivers are going to be real even as well. I think because right. that position's so stacked, yeah. I think it's going to be real e- even is. across the board or across our three teams. So none of us may have won yeah. the draft, but all of us may have won it. Well, you're just saying that because you lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I did lose. <laughs> I, I'll so, get Brad to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rodo, uh, next week, of course, uh, we will be back with our, the third round of our uh, best teams draft, and it will feature the tight end position. So we'll be picking tight ends, which is, of course, a very, very skinny position. Uh, there aren't a lot of tight ends in the league. There are a lot of tight ends, actually, in the league. Just not a lot of good ones. Uh, not a lot to get used because tight ends don't, don't tend to come off the field. They tend to be there through most of the downs. Yeah, we will actually only be doing a three-round snake for our tight ends uh, because of the you, you don't typically have massive tight end rooms like you would with running backs or mm. wide receivers. So we're only going to be going with three tight ends on our teams. So boys can prepare just choices for three. So a lot less, less depth. Um, 
Manjot thinks he worked out the drafting system well enough to pick so he could get the first choice of wide receivers. Uh, but unfortunately, he didn't think well enough because <laughs> I get first choice for tight ends. Of course, there is a couple of standouts in tight ends, so you're going to have to wait until next week to see which one I choose. Uh, and of course, because Manjot picked first, Brad gets second choice <laughs> next week. So yeah. there's a there's a one and two. There's a definite one and two in tight ends. Yes. Everybody who watches the yeah. NFL knows yes. it. Manjot, unfortunately, is going to have to have a real good think about third place. <laughs> Um, I think I probably know who third place is, but you guys, you guys would. So, if, if you guys picked the order, I think I know who third place is. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the other thing we're going to be, yeah. So we'll be doing. So we'll have a bit more chat about some other fun stuff next week. Uh, I'll pick a different topic for us to have a little bit of a think about and have some fun with before we get to our draft. But until then, uh, why not check out our socials? Uh, at G'day Gridiron uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Manjot at Pastry Press NFL. He is still posting daily, uh, of course, with his countdown from 100 to to 1 or to 0, I guess, for the start of the, the league year. Um, check out our boys at uh, Aussie NFL Fantasy, and they're doing some, some bits and pieces over the next few weeks. Of course, our boy Matty C is going overseas to do a ultra marathon run, 111 k's across um, across Britain. Uh, huge thing ends at a massive castle. He's doing it all in. Um, he's doing it all. He's raising money, I should say, for Are You Okay? So there is. If you look at our socials or the Aussie NFL fantasy socials uh, at Pastry Press NFL as well. You'll find some links there if you would like to donate to Maddie's uh, Are You OK money-raising stuff for his marathon. Huge undertaking. I know we're going to see a lot of fun from Maddie, some vision from Maddie. Big good luck, uh, massive good luck to Maddie yeah. with that run. Uh, it is, it is ma- I couldn't imagine running 111 no days, even when I was running marathons as an 18-year-old. Yeah. So Yeah, good luck, Maddie. So massive, massive, massive. Yeah. Yeah. But until next week, boys... That's us for now, so see you later. Bye.